0: Good afternoon, everyone. I have the privilege of bringing you the message this morning and this afternoon. Amen. Amen. And uh, before we, well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kevin Davis. Uh, I'm a deacon here in the church. Uh, <clears throat> been here for a number of years. I don't know, since 89. Uh and uh, I am the husband of one dark and lovely <laughs> Mimi Peters Davis, <laughs> and father of three children, adult children, and um, I'm just thankful and grateful what God has done for me. Um, today, my topic is going to be, gotta fight to stay in the light. Amen? And But before I do that, I'm going to do something that I've never done or rarely ever done. Anybody that knows me knows this. I'm going to tell a joke. (laughs) Yeah. An elderly married couple who were childhood sweethearts and had had settled down (coughs) in their old neighborhood and are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary They walk down the street to their old school, and there they hold hands as they find the old desk they shared when they were where he had carved, I love you, Sally. On their way back home, an armored car drives by, and a bag of money falls out of the armored car, practically at their feet. And Sally quickly picks it up. But they don't know what to do. with this money, so they take it home. And there she counts the money, and it's $50,000. And the husband says, we've got to give it back. And she says, find his keepers. And she puts the money back in the bag and hides it up in in their attic. The next day, two FBI men are going door to door in the neighborhood looking for the money and show up at their home and they say "Uh, pardon me but did either of you find any money that fell out of an army truck car yesterday Um, and she says no (laughs) and the husband says she's lying she hid it up in the attic and she says don't believe him he's getting senile But the agents sit the man down and begin to question him. One says, tell us the story from the beginning. And the old man says, well, when Sally and I were walking home from school yesterday, (laughs) the FBI looks at his partner and says, let's get out of here. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Sometimes the heart wants what it wants and doesn't care how it gets it, right? Well, we're going to talk this morning um, about a couple of things. We're going to talk about. Uh, actually, I, I got this message from a song I did, I wrote. And I'm going to sing it to you. And it's not long. It's called Gotta Fight, to Stay in the Light. Gotta Fight. Stay in the light Darkness creeping up all around me Gotta fight to stay in the light That roaring lion's prowling for me Gotta fight to stay in the light So the serpent's fangs won't find me Gotta fight to stay in the light Gotta be on that path Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotta fight to stay in the light Watch the world or it will blind me Gotta fight to stay in the light, so temptation's call won't bind me. Gotta fight to stay in the light, so my flesh won't get the best of me. Gotta fight to stay in the light, gotta be in that light, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Gotta fight to stay in the light, keep my sword and shield beside me. Gotta fight to stay in the light, the Holy Spirit's here inside me. Got to fight to stay in the light so my Lord won't get the best, so my Lord will get the best out of me. Got to fight to stay in the light. Got to be with my Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm Got to fight. Amen. Amen. So that's what we're going to talk about. But what we're going to talk about, we got to fight, right? But who do we fight? And I'm going to give you the opponents. But first, I want to read John 3:19. It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God of God amen so we do come out of the darkness and come into the light and then everything is all right 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 Uh, I don't think so everything is not all right because we live in the world and we have another opponent called satan who's also called the devil, and those are our opponents, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that's what we're gonna, I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about who our opponents are. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of who they are or all our enemies and what they do, but it's going to give you an idea of who you're up against. Amen. All right. First, John. Two, 15 and 16. Now, you don't have to go to all these scriptures because it's going to be a, a bit. Well, you might have. Have a few scriptures to go through today. And first, John, two, 15 and 16, it says. Do not love the world. Or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world. Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. Come not from the Father. But from the world. Amen. This is what God tells us. You know, this is what what the world is about. You know, and I thought long and hard. I'm like, what what, what example can I give without going on for a week about what the world is like? You know, uh, who can, whose story can I show? And then I thought about Solomon, and I thought about Solomon for this reason in First Kings chapter four, verse twenty nine to thirty four. That's 1 Kings chapter 4, 29 to 34. And this is what it says about Solomon. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan the Ezraite, Ezra Hite, wiser than Herman, Calcol, Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. I can go on. This guy knew some things. You know, um, if he was here today, he'd be a professor. He'd be teaching college courses, you know but that's not all. That was his wisdom. That was the wisdom that God gave him. How many of us have wisdom like that? Let's think about it. How many of us have wisdom like that? Well, we're going to see some of the things that, that Solomon did. And the thing about it is that with all this wisdom, we're going to see some things that that Solomon could, could accomplish. In 1 Kings chapter 10, In verse 14, it says this. The weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents. That is about 25 tons. 25 tons of gold yearly. Think about that. Would you like to have that in your backyard? He says, that was not including that was not including the, the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and governors of the land." Solomon had it going on. You think Trump is rich? Uh, Solomon dwarfed Trump. He dwarfed anybody of this age, the amount of money that he had. Let's go down to to verse 21 through 27. And this is what it has to say. It says, (coughs) sorry, that's in, um, can I get the right verse now? Uh, Where am I? Okay. All King Solomon's goblets were gold. And all the household articles in the palace of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Nothing was made of silver because silver was considered of little value in in Solomon's days. So the king had a fleet of trading ships at sea along with ships of Hiram. Once every three years it returned carrying gold, silver, and ivory and apes and baboons. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift articles of silver and gold, rubies, weapons, and spices, and horses and mules. And, he says, Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 14 chariots and 12, sorry, 1400 chariots and 12,000 horses which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common as in Jerusalem as stones and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. Solomon was a great man. His wisdom allowed him all these to, to get all of these things, all of these possessions. How many of us would like to have the wisdom of Solomon? (laughs) I certainly would. But the thing about it is that that was not all that Solomon did. All right? Solomon also, in, in chapter 11... King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. All right. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth, 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned, turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not, was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of, of the Sidonians, and Molech, the, de- the detestable god, Of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the uh, detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this, this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime." I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet, I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Amen. Solomon had all this wisdom, and yet he did mighty things. He did great things. But his wisdom... Did not keep him from sinning. His wisdom, all the wisdom that he had, all all the great things that he could do, he still turned away from God and decided to do some things on his own, on his own wisdom. And how much like Solomon are we? We've gained some wisdom, right? Some of us have been around the planet for, for a bit, for a minute, right? We've gained a little wisdom. We, we, we've graduated from school, either school of hard knocks or, or, or school or college, you know. But we've, we've gained some knowledge, and you know, when we gain some knowledge, we get a little, we get a little cocky, you know. We think that we know everything. We think we know how to do everything. And so, what happens is that we end up making a mess. I know I've made a mess of my life with my own wisdom. It has led me astray. You know, and and I know your wisdom has led you astray. You don't have to tell me your story. It's right here. <laughs> I know it all. It's all right here in this this book right here. So I don't have to know your story, your personal story, but I know that's in here, and I know that you messed up big time if you've been around on this planet for any number of years, soon as maybe about two years, you start messing up I <laughs> you know, say the terrible twos you know that you know satan is is in there satan is is messing around my my son his you know, he he didn't do the terrible twos he did the the one and a half yeah you know, one and a half the two and a half three and a half you know. That's where he, he went awry and started going crazy. And, <laughs> and, you know, but, but yeah, you know, I want us to think about this. With all his wisdom in Ecclesiastes, we start to see just really what Solomon was thinking. After he's done all this stuff. He starts thinking about some stuff. He starts thinking about, about this world. What can I do in this world? What is the best thing? I mean, he, look, Satan, you don't have to do anything. Say, uh, Solomon has done everything for you. He has is, he is, he is gone to the, the, the lengths and depths of every want, every, every goal, every, every uh, thing that you can think of. Solomon already did it and he did it well. He did it better than you can ever do it. And this is this is what he com- his conclusion of all these things and all his wisdom about the world and what the world offers us, because the world does us, uh, offer us offers us a lot of things, right? It offers us education, great education. It offers us uh fame, fortune, right? Power. It, it offers us uh all types of things, right? This is his, his assessment. Wisdom, he says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. This is in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 12. He says, I, the, king, I the teacher, was king over Israel and in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. See, he did it all. So, what a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I thought to myself, look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Wow, what an assessment so far, and he's not done. <laughs> you're like look, you're chasing after knowledge? All right, you want to go to college, you want to go this, you want to study, you want to be I, I got to do my stuff, I got to be up. It's good to study. It's good to get knowledge. Right? right? But when you leave God out in the process, You are heading down the road of meaningless. Chapter 2. I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure and find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. You see, I did the same thing. I chased after things, after pleasures, after drugs. You know, wanting to get high, trying to, you know, trying to think that I said, "Oh, I did the same thing Solomon did. I'm going to do this with wisdom. I'm going to be thinking about how 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 to do this and not get caught up in being an addict. You know, (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and, and and do this thing the right way." You know, <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm here in CR for like 20 years now. <laughs> My way is not the right way. Uh, he says, I undertook great projects. Some of you might want to undertake great projects. You see people doing things, building things, creating things. It's, it's wow. He says, I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs uh, to water water groves of flourishing trees. I I bought male and female slaves, and I had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers. And... And the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And he goes on and on. He talks about madness and folly and and all these things. You see, he did everything. And he did it well. And yet, his conclusion was that it's meaningless. When we run after the world and what the world is offering us, It can be in politics. It can be in entertainment. It can be in education. It can be in sports. Whatever we're running after in the world, it comes to a dead end. A dead end without God. Without God, it comes to a dead end. And even when you're with God, you may fool yourself into thinking that you're doing it for God. You know? The heart is deceitful above all things, isn't it? So we have to get ourselves in check. We have to know the reason why we do the things that we do. You see, this wisdom, it didn't really help him out. It led him down a dark path. But in the end, he realized, hey, all I need is God. And that is enough for me. And that's what the world offers. So if we're going to be in the world, we got to know what the world is offering us because it offers us things in such a nice way, doesn't it? A beautiful way. You see, commercials, commercials, don't, don't they're not dry, are they? They offer things that, that don't have anything to do with women, right? We're beautiful women. Why? Because they want to catch your eye. They want to catch your attention. They want to make you, pull you in. And that's what the world does. And we got to fight to stay in the light. Amen? Well, that's our first opponent. Next, we'll look at the flesh. Now, the flesh is getting a little personal. Getting a little personal, right? Because, see, the things that we have to fight against in the church, in the world, that's out, that's out there. It's trying to get in here. But the flesh, that's where the flesh is. flesh is right here. It's right here with us 24-7. So now our opponent has gotten gotten close to us. If, you, if we were fighting, our flesh is, is throwing the body punches. It's hitting us hard, hitting over in the spleen, in the heart, and it's hurting us. You know? So we're going to take a look at just what the flesh can do. Let's look at uh, Galatians 3. And what it says in Galatians 3 is, and this is for for disciples, us Christians. Well, I'll tell you what, before we go there. Give you just a little break. I'm gonna tell you another joke. I'm gonna splurge. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, with all the talk about police these days, we know that police aren't perfect. But this cop comes close to winning the Ingenuity Award. Says the driver did the right thing. Stopped. Stopping at a school crosswalk, even though he could have beaten the red light by accelerating through the intersection. How many of us have done that? The tailgating woman behind him went ballistic, pounding on her horn and screaming in frustration as she missed her chance to drive through the intersection with him. All right. Now, he was going to barely make it through the light, but she was right on his tail trying to get through as well. And and still in mid rant she heard a tap on her window. And, and, you know, he said, she was screaming in frustration. She missed her chance, right? And then she heard a tap and looked up into the face of a very serious police officer. The officer ordered her to exit the car with her hands up. Put your hands up. He took her out to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, and placed in a cell. After a couple of hours, a policeman approached the cell and opened the door. She was escorted back to the booking desk where the arresting officer was waiting with her personal effects. He said, I'm awfully sorry for this mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car, and while you were blowing your horn, flipping the guy off in front of you and cussing a blue streak at him, I noticed the What would Jesus do? License plate holder. (laughs) The follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker. The chrome plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. And the my boss is a Jewish carpenter decal on your back window. Naturally, I assume that you had stolen the car. (laughs) you gotta fight to stay in the light (laughs) yep let's turn to Galatians 3 In Galatians 3, verse 3, he starts out saying, this is Paul, he says, Are you so foolish? At the beginning, by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? He says, once you started out, this this walk, you came out of the light, right? And you were like, oh, amen, Lord Jesus, thank you, hallelujah, you know you are guided by the spirit you were just like spirit take me wherever you want come on take me over here take me over there i don't care where you want me to, i'll go wherever you want me to go but then when you've been around for a little bit something happens all of a sudden the spirit is tapping on your window and you're like uh <coughs> oh, who's, that? <laughs> who's that what what do you want what do you want i'm on my way i got i got to get over here i got to get i get. i got to get down the road and pretty soon we're doing things the way we used to do them. But we got a little Christian tint to it, right? We got a little, little you know, we, we, we ain't as as, as bold as, as bad as we used to be, right? That's, that's, the, that's the story we tell ourselves. We ain't as bad as we used to be. We just bad, but we ain't that bad. But let's look in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Something we're all familiar with, right? Or should be. Maybe we haven't been as familiar as we need to be. It says in verse 19, Galatians five nineteen, The acts of, this, of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you hear that? You will not inherit the kingdom of God if this is the way that you are living. These are the acts of the flesh. They are fighting us daily. And if you're not prepared, you ain't been working out, you're getting popped in the head, smacked upside the head, punched in the belly, all kinds of ways that someone could knock you out. But we have to think about this. So I thought about what what could illustrate this? Because you know we talk a lot about, about the flesh, when we think about the flesh, we think about sexual immorality. And impurity and debauchery and all and all these things, right? We've heard about a million sermons about it telling us that it's wrong. And then some of us still do it. So I'm not gonna talk about that. I'm gonna talk about something else. I'm gonna talk about some of these other things in here. And <clears throat> let's turn to Numbers chapter sixteen. I want you to understand. What it is that God is thinking about all this sin stuff. And this is called Korah's rebellion. In number 16, starting in verse 1, it says Korah, son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi and certain Rumanites, Dathan and Abraham, sons of Eliab and On, son of Peleth, became insolent and rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. The whole community is holy. Every one of them. And the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Okay. These guys, they weren't the ones that initiate going, leaving Egypt out of slavery. They had no part in it. They went along. They were free. They They came and left the slavery that they've been in for 400 years. But now they're starting to feel a little, you know, like, hey, we're just like you. How do you get to be over us? And when Moses heard this, he fell face down. Then he said to Korah and all his followers, In the morning the Lord will show you who belongs to him and who is holy, and he will have that person come near him, the man he chooses, he will cause to come near him. You, Korah, and all your followers are to do this. Take censers and tomorrow put fire and incense in them before the Lord. The man the Lord chooses will be the one who is holy. You Levites have gone too far. Moses also said to Korah, "Now listen, you Levites, isn't it enough that you Isn't it enough for you that God of the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community and brought you near himself to do the work of the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the community and minister them, to them? He has brought you and all your fellow Levites near himself, but now you are trying to get the priesthood too. It is against the Lord that you and all your followers have banded together. Who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? Then Moses summoned Dathan and ibram uh, sons of Eliab, but they said, we will not come. Isn't it enough that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to, to kill us in the desert? And now you also want the Lord to lord it over us. Moreover, you haven't brought us into a, a land flowing with milk and honey or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you gouge out their eye, the eyes of, of these men? No, we will not come. Then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, Do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them, or have, nor have I wronged any of them. Moses said to Korah, You and your followers are to appear before the Lord tomorrow, you and they and Aaron. Each man is to take his censer and put incense in it, in, incense in it 250 censers in all, and present it to the, before the Lord. You and Aaron are to present your censers also. So each man took his censer, put fire and incense in it, and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them them, at the entrance of the tent of meeting, the the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, separate yourselves from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. The Lord ain't joking. He's about to get smoking. (laughs) <laughs> but Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out oh God oh God of the, the God of the spirits of all mankind will you be angry with the entire assembly when only one man sins you see how Moses thinks Moses could have said man just wipe out everybody you know me and Aaron are cool you know you take care of them you know these people have been nonstop complaining and grumbling you know We think that grumbling is just a little thing, don't we? We look at all these sins, and I don't see grumbling in there. I think I can grumble. And we grumble and complain. And and I see it a lot in people that we counsel in marriages. People grumble and complain against the very person that God put in their presence, put in their their gift from God. And they want to grumble and complain. Same thing with their kids and praying for these kids, and then all of a sudden they come, and he's like, ah, you know. (laughs) But he says in verse 22, he says, But Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out, Oh, God, God, the Spirit. Okay, I said that already. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the assembly, Move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. Woo. You know. You want to move away from these people. Something's about to happen, man. He says, Moses got up and went to, to Dathan and Ibarim, and the elders of, of Israel followed him. He warned the assembly, move back, move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them, or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they moved away from the tents of Korah, Dathan and Ibarim. Dathan and Ibarim had come out and were standing with their wives, children, and little ones at the entrances to their tents. Then Moses said, This is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things and that it was not my idea. If these men die a natural death and experience only what usually happens to men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about something totally new, <laughs> I don't want nothing totally new happening to me when it comes to this. And, and, the, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them with everything that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the grave, then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. Do you think grumbling and complaining is a little thing? It's not. As soon as he finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households and all Korah's men with all their possessions. They went down alive into the grave with everything they owned. The earth closed over them and they perished and were gone from the community. At their cries, all the Israelites around them fled, shouting, the earth is going to swallow us too. And the fire came out from the Lord and consume the 250 men who were offering the incense. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Eleazar son of Aaron the priest to take the censers out of the smoldering remains and scatter the coals some distance away, for the censers are holy, the censers of the men who sinned at the cost of their lives. Hammer the censers into sheets to overlay the altar, for they they were presented before the Lord and have become holy. Let them be a sign to the Israelites. Okay, now if you saw this happen, if you saw people's families with their children and all of these other great men and leaders swallowed up by the earth alive because of what they were doing, grumbling and complaining, what would you do? What Would you say, i ain't gonna, I ain't gonna be complaining nothing Lord. I, I ain't got I ain't got nothing to say I'm all right i'm easy peasy with anything you want you know that would seem like the the prudent thing to do right yeah, but this is what happened verse thirty one as soon as he finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart right Oh sorry that was the wrong one <laughs> and he says <clears throat> i'm sorry where i'm thirty nine i'm sorry thirty nine so Eliezer, the priest collected the bronze censors and brought by the brought by the those who had been burned up and he had them hammered out and as they were the Lord directed them through Moses. This was to remind the Israelites that no one except a descendant of Aaron should come to burn incense before the Lord, or he would become like Korah and his followers. The next day, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The next day, the next day, they grumbled. You have killed the Lord's people, they said. But when the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and and turned toward the tent of meeting, suddenly the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord appeared. And then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting. And the Lord said to Moses, get away from this assembly. Here we go again. Get away. Back up. Hear the Lord telling you to back up. You better back up. So I can put an end to them at once. And they fell face down. Then Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put incense in it, along with fire from the altar, and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. You see, you see, Moses' heart, he wanted to make atonement for these people. He did not want them to suffer the same way that these other people suffered. And he says, wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. So Aaron did, this, did as Moses said, and he ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people. But Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. But 14,700 people died from the plague. 14,700 people for grumbling and complaining. In addition to those who had had died because of Korah. This was in addition to them. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of the meeting, for the plague had stopped. Okay, you've got to fight to stay in the light, folks. You've got to make sure that you're trying to do it the best that you can because you don't want God to stay Back up from Kevin. Take a step back. I know something about Kevin you don't know. because God will take care of you. He will take you out. Amen. And that is from the flesh. You see, Moses was hit with hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. These are the obvious sins that were when it came in opposition to him. I'm just going to read scriptures from, from Romans. You don't have to turn there, but it's from Romans 8. You can go back and look at it. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is grace, is life, and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's Lord, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You see, this is not only Old Testament stuff. This is New Testament stuff. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Watch and pray. In Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You've got to fight to stay in the light. Amen. Amen. And <clears throat> I don't know how much time I got left. Last one is the devil. <coughs> and I guess he deserves a joke too. <laughs> so I'll give you one last joke. <coughs> This is your captain speaking. On behalf of my crew, I'd like to welcome you aboard British Airways Flight 602 from New York to London. We are currently flying at a height of 35,000 feet midway across the Atlantic. If you look out of, out of the windows on the starboard side of the aircraft, you observe that both the starboard engines are on fire. <coughs> if you look out of the windows on the port side, you will observe that the port wing has fallen off. (laughs) If you look down towards the Atlantic Ocean, you will see a little yellow life raft with three people in it, waving at you. That's me, the co-pilot and one of the air (laughs) students. This is a recording. Isn't that just like Satan? He gets you in a bind. He gets you up there. And then he lets you see all your sin as you're ready to crash and burn. You know, after he done finished the work, he got you up there in the air. You're feeling good. You're doing all your stuff. And then he says, hey, you take a look down there. That's Satan. He would take you and then he would drop you like a rock. You know, you think that you're doing, you're doing well. You're not doing well. You know? Um, well, this. <coughs> that's one of the. the, the, you know, the there's a, a movie that we all know called The Wizard of Oz, right? How many of you know The Wizard of Oz? Seen it? If you hadn't, there comes a point in The Wizard of Oz where the uh, scarecrow and, and the tin man and, and the lion. Oh, no, it's Tin Man and, and Dorothy. They're walking into this forest, and it's dark and foreboding. And <coughs> he says, uh, "You think it's okay to go in here?" And he said, "Well, yeah, but you know, all we got to watch out for are lions and, and oh <laughs> lions and tigers and bears." Oh my! Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! Lions and tigers and bears. Lions and tigers and bears, lions and tigers and bears, lions and tigers and bears, and then the lion comes out and he chases them around until Dorothy smacks him, <laughs> and he starts crying, and and you know, and that's how we we got to think of of, of of the lions, right? We kind of have this 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 idea of lions as this, you know, these things in stories, you know. You're not really that that bad, but <clears throat> I want to tell you something. I'm going to give you a little story about, if I can find it, that I, I, I saw on the internet about lions, tigers, and bears. It says two lions at the Santiago, Santiago, Santiago Metropole- Metropolitan Zoo, May 2016. The six days before Harambe, which was a a gorilla who was killed um, for uh, trying to protect a child that fell into his his cage. How a child fell into his cage is a whole other thing. A male and female lion at the zoo in the capital of Chile were shot to death after a suicidal man entered their enclosure, removed his clothes, and began taunting them. When the lions mauled him and began dragging him into their den, they were killed. The man is expected to recover. The lions would still be alive if there were safer barriers. Tatiana, the Siberian tiger at the San Francisco Zoo, December 2007. Tatiana was a four-year-old Siberian tiger, a species which, like the western lowland gorilla, is critically endangered. When a group of young men threw rocks and roared at her, on Christmas Day 2007, Tatiana managed to leap out of her enclosure at the San Francisco Zoo and maul them, killing one of them. She was shot to death by police officers. An investigation found the tiger's enclosure was four feet lower than the the height required by federal safety standards. The the zoo installed a new 19-foot wall made of tempered safety glass panels afterwards. Two polar bears at at the Prospect Park Zoo may 1987. On a dare, after a group of boys sneaked into the Prospect Park Zoo, in Brooklyn one night, an 11-year-old climbed over a tall spike fence and entered the polar bear exhibit. He thought he could take a dip in the moat as the the bears slept. Responding to a 911 call from a passerby who heard children screaming inside the zoo, police officers found two polar bears mauling the remains of of the boy. The officers opened fire, killing the bears. Rated as one of the the 10 worst zoos in in the country at that time, the Prospect Park Zoo closed the following year. You see, later on they built another one and had child-proof barriers to prevent future tragedies. There was a lack of fear of these animals. They thought these animals were, were cute they thought these animals were harmless. They thought these animals could do them no harm. That they could do whatever they wanted to do. But that was not the case. In every case, you see, they may have been listening to the Wizard of Oz and the lions and tigers and bears that they could smack and make, make docile. Not the case. First Peter 5 8 through 10. First Peter 5, 8 through 10. It says, Be alert and, sober, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around, around like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You see, Satan is a a roaring lion. He says the devil is prowling around. You might think that the the devil is in hell, that he's down there somewhere where he's inaccessible. Maybe he's just whispering in your ear from a distance. No. Satan is going to be in hell when everything is done. When God wraps up everything, he's throwing them down there for for eternity. But right now, he's roaming around. He's hungry. And guess what? Guess what his favorite meal is? A nice, plump Christian. A disciple of Jesus. You don't think that's true? You don't think that's true? Revelation 12. Verse 7. You can catch up with me because I'm going to have to move on. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. Who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and the angels with him. Then I heard the loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the king and the kingdom of our God.